Dude, I, uh, we were talking about what to talk about for the intro before recording, and neither of us was coming up with much, but Lovecraft Country again. Have you watched the newest episode? Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, Honestly, oh my God. That, it's one of those things where I, I think that I push it away because I'm like, we talked about this in the last episode, so I'm not going to write it down <laughs> but in my notes, but every episode is different enough to like, oh my God. Okay. What the for f- people who don't know and aren't keeping up. This isn't giving anything away, but there's an episode that's completely in a different language, and it's fantastic. And it's like sort of you want to know what's really funny of the place it's from. I didn't notice that. (laughs) I wouldn't have like taken note of the fact that it was in a different language the whole time because that just it felt like it just is a compelling. (laughs) Yeah, it was just that was this episode. You know what I mean? Episode. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the whole Um, episode. I didn't even think of that. Jeez show continues to astound me jonathan majors continues to astound me as well i don't even know how to talk about him in this episode but they're just the way that this episode is structured make for a challenging yeah performance and he nailed it oh i guess that's that's how i'll say it absolutely but other than that i haven't been watching a whole lot i've seen you know walked in on people watching episodes of uh sitcoms in the living room i do want to give a shout out um i should have done it sooner but uh my friend joseph bricker uh is a an actor out in la he was in my company at the u of m guthrie actor training program and he is starring in a feature film uh made by one of his friends called like love it was just featured in the Toronto Film Festival, but they uh, are featured in another virtual film festival that you can buy tickets to uh, called the Lady Filmmakers Film Festival. Now, his friend is not uh, a woman, but he has posted about how, you know, it's odd to be featured in this way, but it is also basically the entire crew, other than the director, uh, are all uh, women and very talented filmmakers as well, so... Uh, go check out Lady Filmmakers Film Festival. It's running from September 25th, uh, this upcoming Friday, till October 4th. And Joseph Bricker is starring in Like Love. So uh, I know I can't wait to see it. I meant to get tickets to the Toronto, and I missed my chance. And now I get another chance, and so do you. So uh, I'm going to spread the word. Absolutely. And as filmmakers, we know how hard it is, especially even like people you know, just to get them to watch the thing you made. You know, oh, yeah. like y- you go and talk to someone a year after you made a thing and you're like, remember when I did that? And they're like, what are you talking about? And you're like, yeah, <laughs> nice. Yeah. So yeah. go watch this guy's thing because he's in it and we know him. And even though that makes it harder because for some reason it's like, ah, okay, well, maybe I'll watch it later. Make it easier. Yeah. There's other things that I could have shout out, shouted out. At other times, too, that I forgot. I'm trying to be better about uh, shouting that out. So, actually, you know, while I'm saying that, Joseph also has another thing that you can see at any time. Uh, Him and his brother published a graphic novel. And they're coming out with, you know, different issues, I think, by by the week. It's called uh, Bobo and J5, Journey to the Planet Pi. Uh, It looks like that's on clapclapwoo.com. So... Uh, there's another shout out for you. Sorry that we're uh, a little bit lighter on the film talk, but uh, I did want to get uh, I, I did want to get those shout outs in. Anything else uh, you want to talk about, Gary? What What have you been watching? I did spend a little bit of time this last uh, few de- these last few days watching 
Mission Impossible, not just the movies, but commentaries oh. for like most of those movies. I own a, like a Blu-ray one through five collection and then I have Fallout. I just got that. So I have nice. all of the you know special features because I don't know if listeners know this, but when you get a Blu-ray, traditionally it will have more special features than like other i don't know why it's just like you hear about it in the commentaries they're like yeah this is the blu-ray commentary and we did another Mm -hmm. commentary for this or whatever but i guess it's just a thing like when you have a special blu-ray you want to juice it up with all the special features and i watched the commentaries for the third fifth and fallout sixth one uh Mm -hmm. but interestingly enough Tom Cruise is in every commentary with the director, and he sounds just as involved. Like, huh. oh, man, I loved how we got this shot. Do you remember that? And then J.J. Abrams is like, yeah, that was awesome. And they're, like, literally talking with each other like he's the co-director. Because yeah. I don't know if you know this, but he is the producer on that series. Like, him, that he's sense. one of two. Him and uh, I forget what her name is for the first three and then someone else for after three. But he basically... That's why he can do whatever he wants because he's answering to himself. You know, yeah. like if he wants to jump off a building, the person who tells him no is him. So right. it's pretty great. Yeah. And it's hey, funny so, uh, too because it's not I'm just. Gonna a, jump off a building. <laughs> yeah. And like everyone heard about that stunt in Fallout where he like broke his ankle or whatever. Yeah. There's stuff like that in every movie he does. And it's yeah. listening to his commentaries. He's like, oh, yeah, I remember this. I got a bunch of glass up my eye or something like oh that. I was like, oh. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So. Uh, those are cool to listen to if you're interested in like stunts and uh, where a performer can kind of be a part of the process, especially these last two uh, fallout. And um, the one before that was rogue nation or they're you know, the names are all like spy names. So yeah, they like, I haven't kept they up go, on them they go through, but Chris McQuarrie is the director of the last couple of them. Uh, C McHugh as Tom Cruise calls him in the commentary. Hmm. And, it is very clear that he loves Tom Cruise and wants him to be involved. And mm. I don't know, as someone who wants to make a movie where my actors are that involved like that too, it's yeah. cool to hear a Hollywood production that does that, you know? Yeah. I mean, th- those are the people that I'm very interested in working with as well as like the actors who have become film actors for a love of the craft and not just because they want to be like movie stars. And it's very clear yeah. that Tom Cruise, though he is, a bit Both. unhinged in a few different ways. Uh, yeah, he's a little bit of that too. Is definitely like a lover of the craft of film and like has gone through, especially in his early career, like he had some big breaks and then he went off and did some experimental films to like try a whole yeah. bunch of different he's stuff worked and with... be involved in the background of a lot of stuff. And he's worked with yeah. so many people, yeah. Um, and he just kind of solidified that his shtick is like action, you know? Which, I don't know, I think that's cool. And... He's sort I of mean, boxed himself. Imagine on purpose, Tom but... Cruise running and deny that that's perfect. You know, yeah, I just yeah, that's that's good. Well, I don't have uh, a seamless transition <laughs> this week, uh, but welcome to the show. This is a new <laughs> lens. Uh, Project Gary and I here started uh, to talk about film and television we liked as kids through the new lens of adults and amateur filmmakers. Uh, And we're going through Avatar, The Last Airbender, episode by episode. We're on season two, episode nine, Bitter Work. This is, I I had a lot more to write about this episode than I When I saw the title, I went in my head, I said, 
oh, a breath of fresh air. Like we just had all these like yeah. crazy big like episodes right. and arcs. And I was like, all right, like this episode is going to be the first like nothing episode. And I was actually excited for that too because I was like a breath of fresh air. You know, like I don't yeah. have to invest so much. Right. And even a little bit of me was like, oh, I didn't think I would feel that way. This like all of a sudden mm. an abrupt like downer episode. Yeah. But then... I watched it, <laughs> and, and uh, it's crazy how much I forgot about oh, this episode. Because I, let's do a recap. Yeah. So basically, this one's very straightforward. Uh, there are two people being trained throughout this episode. Mm-hmm. Ang is finally starting his earthbending training with Toph, and having trouble because his instincts as an airbender is to divert and to you know escape and sort of you know, weave around things, whereas Toph needs him to face things literally head on in order to uh, master earthbending. And at the same time, we have uh, a recovering Iroh teaching Zuko re-entering their firebending training, starting with talking about lightning because it's clear that their biggest foe, Azula, has mastered lightning and that they need to address that. Both Zuko and Aang have difficulty with their trainings, which come to a head in different ways. And uh, that's about that's about it. I guess there's also this undercurrent of uh, yeah. Sokka is hunting for meat and gets stuck in a rock uh, in the floor. Sokka's like, battle basically. with karma. <laughs> and uh, has to be rescued by Aang, which is sort of the culmination of his... Uh, coming to be able to earthbend in this episode uh it's really good and it's yeah, partially really good because better than like, it should be <laughs> one of the main one of the best things about this show is how they've mapped out their progress in their abilities and how and we've been able to notice it way more than even i had cognitively registered on any previous watch of this show how they do that like katara especially it's very clear her progression with water bending ang sort of already knows air bending but his progression with water bending as well we've seen very consecutive amounts of uh progress and training and showing them work at it and this is showing them working at gaining new abilities they don't just gain new abilities ang's not just like an earthbender right away and he's not even really an earthbender by the end of this episode he's got he the really very, struggles. very basic of it. but Honestly, I think the main thing that I find so satisfying about the episode as a whole is growing up watching movies. My favorite shit is training montages. Yeah. I just love it. Yeah. Like, I love a good training montage in, like, Rocky, but also, like, in an old uh, samurai movie, like an old martial arts movie where you have the grandmaster teaching. Like, Kill Bill is, like, basically a nod to all those movies with its right. training montage in part two. And this episode does two different kinds of training and even alludes to a third with Katara. And Mm. all of it is satisfying. It's all stuff that, like, I just like to watch, like a close-up of Toph just, like, nodding her head or a close-up of Iroh shaking his head, like, you know, shaking it with his eyes closed. Or, I don't know, there's something about it that's just extremely satisfying, not just in its execution for the show, but it's, like... It's almost nostalgic. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. The lighting of the episode is, it gives me that same, like, um, almost a nostalgic mood. And it feels very, 
purposeful. Like from the beginning mm. of the episode, all the colors are like really muted. And then as the sun rises, they become really vibrant. And then yeah. they kind of mute again towards the end of the episode when the sun is coming down. Ooh, and then a storm rolls in. But we'll get yeah, to that. We'll get um, to that. In the beginning of this episode, you've got the nostalgia of the feeling of like the first day of school. You know what I mean? Ang is so oh, excited. Yeah. And like totally. just the anticipation building up. And I there's so many feelings expressed by Aang in this episode that I just really relate to as a kid and just yes, as a human being. Me too. Yeah, um, absolutely. This is a very, very relatable episode for Aang, who is someone that we've had a little more trouble relating to throughout the the series thus far with his yeah. like quickness to learn things, his ease right. of like throwing things, oh, it's fine. You know, all that stuff almost feels like uh, right. separated even the and like now, more real like human trauma he has to deal with is like so big that it's sort of hard to exactly. grasp onto yeah yeah but now this episode is very much just like like you said it's like a first day of school too where you're excited mm -hmm. and then you get there and there are things about it that frustrate you because you were thinking mm -hmm. it'd be easier and yeah it's interesting uh i love Sokka's grumpy grumpiness and being kept from sleeping in the very morning. Very much me. <laughs> Toph is also, this is very uncalled for. <laughs> she just shoots she him up shoots in the him air. into the sky. And he gets back down, his angry mumbling. <laughs> Sokka's super, he's funny in this episode, but also there was something about his animation that felt a little different. Did you feel mm. that at all? Like yeah, his face that. felt a little longer in this episode or something. I don't know what it was. There was just a little something about him that I was like, he really does need to eat. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> huh. So we have our intro to Iroh and Zuko with this dream. Iroh has a dream of oh. a younger version of him. We kind of know right away from the laugh because we mm -hmm. see him running and ha ha ha. We like know it's him. Yeah. And then we see a little kid running and shooting uh fake fireballs at him and they're playing like a you know basically like a shooting like war game but you know in the avatar yeah, world right and uh then it kind of cuts to him as an older man sitting in under the same tree looking at yeah, a memorial for his yep. son and he says luten my beloved son i'll be with you soon i'll see you, you know, again or, yeah i'll see you again and i don't know when i first saw this ever I was worried what that was implying. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hmm. And then we see him waking up to Zuko and oh. there's like a sense of relief, but also just like this. I don't know. This is you like feel the great way more profound than yeah. I was able to register as a kid. Like watching this now yeah. was very touching for me as like a person who yeah. actually knows this stuff, you know? Also like um, we have, we've gotten clues that, uh, Iroh has some sort of spiritual connections that most people don't. Like when he sees Aang pass by on Roku's dragon. Yeah. Um, that's what it struck me as is when he's unconscious and, uh, you know, sort of not in control of his thoughts and faculties, that's where his mind goes is his baseline want is to find a way to see his son again spiritually wants to find peace with that mm -hmm. but i think this process of i think that's why it's like troubling but also touching and a little bit relieving when he opens his eyes to see zuko because i think that's one of the ways he's coming to peace with the yeah. death of his son is to be able to have this connection with his nephew 
kind of it's really beautiful and out of the blue in this episode a little bit after watching this Aang whole, like their bend himself backwards. It's kind of like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like it goes from being that's what's so good about the show though, is it doesn't feel in the moment you're not like, oh what? It really yeah. works, you know? Mm-hmm. Because the they use the training arc to link these two stories, but then they right. have completely different dramatic purpose. Mm-hmm. I love <laughs> Uh, firstly, that Zuko made terrible tea. <laughs> Iris and that Ira was so shoulder. sweet about it. Yeah, he yeah. like pretends like he's drinking it, and that's right. good. <laughs> that's so sweet. Um, and then <laughs> Zuko's like, "I know she's my sister, and I should try and get along with my family." I know you say, <laughs> "Iro's like, no, she's crazy. She needs to be taken down." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. It is really badass the way he just stands up. Oh, it is time to resume your training. Yeah, you know, and you see just... he's all bandaged up and like he's yeah. probably been unconscious for like days, over a day, maybe. you know, yeah. days, multiple days probably. Um and now he's just like getting up and he knows what needs to be done. He needs to start his training. It feels um, like something out of an old Kurosawa movie or even like Star Wars or something, you know, like an Obi-Wan type figure. But yeah. Star Wars is based on all those movies. So right. Like, or like an old Western even again. Like there's yeah. something about like the old master mm-hmm. injured and, you know, training this young, new, upcoming. Like we feel with Zuko now, there is something that he has to fulfill. We don't know what. We don't know why. But he's still around. Like we're we're now like not really questioning what his deal is anymore we're we're watching him and observing and and hoping he grows do you know what i mean by that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like in the whole first season he has an arc and it is to find the avatar right and he still is kind of like that as a joke now like azula makes that joke when we first cross her path earlier right but there's something as a viewer now when we cut to him it does not feel at all like fuck this guy it we cut to him and we're like hopeful you know we're like oh i wonder what well i hope this is the scene where he like says something that makes us like really like him or but every single time there's always something in these scenes that makes Mm -hmm. you go he's not quite there you know what i mean yeah yeah and you oh this episode shows so much iroh noting that that he's yeah he's like begun a journey of starting to look at things differently and more openly but man is he not there yet um and ang is not there yet with earthbending either (laughs) at all uh we cut over to them having you know trying to train and he keeps trying to find a different angle at moving this rock she's like there's no clever solution or trickety trick you just have to face it head on literally (laughs) she jumps over just headbutts this rock into pieces. It's great. It's great. <laughs> Katara's trying to convince her to like have a lighter touch, a more like give him a gentle nudge. And honestly, this feels like very I wanna be like Yeah, but right. it's earthbending. It's like the one thing you have Because you know, you could compare this to like techniques in parenting or training a dog sure. or right. you know, but when it comes to earthbending, I think there isn't another way, you know? Yep. I think Toph is 100% right. Yeah. Which is which becomes clear later, but there there is something about Katara's willingness to like, or not willingness, but her 
protectiveness over Aang that is really sweet in this episode because mm. up until now, I think there's like a childhood crush between from Aang to Katara and Katara is like a little bit responsible for him. Mm. But in this episode, especially with the montage that comes up after Aang kind of like fr- is frustratingly kind of gives up yeah, and right. him and Katara have like a moment together. I don't know. This this episode helps me like feel their progression of a relationship and mm. not necessarily as like love, but like as friends and they trust each other, uh, you know, family. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we feel with this protectiveness, it doesn't feel like protecting her little kid. It feels like protecting someone she cares about, you know? Right. There's also this, uh, you know, that's noted in at the beginning of the episode when he's sort of having the back to school feeling he's, he calls Toph, uh, Sifu Toph, yeah. uh, which is, you know, master or what does that actually mean? It does. I think it does mean master. I've watched a lot of it man recently ah. and they call him Sifu and it translates to master whenever okay. they yeah. call him Sifu. He calls Toph that and then does, you know, Katara is like, you don't call me Sifu, which is a cool little. And that's because they have more of a relationship, you know, like mm-hmm. Toph has been brought on purely to train him. And man, yeah, that's she, literally why they found her. She does not uh, follow Katara's advice immediately. She cuts to him like carrying a rock with her lifting the ground under his feet. The like jabbing into the ground that he just hurts his hand immediately. <laughs> The blindfolded uh, whacking, like trying to sense where the rocks are coming with a blindfold and hit them as she's sort of doing a whack-a-mole thing. That's and the then, first time he does something that he, yeah. you know, he, he hits one of them and you see a close-up of her of her nod. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And it feels more like a because of that nod, it doesn't feel like it would. If, if they didn't cut that in, it would feel like less of a success. I don't know how to right. explain it, but oh, yeah. the nod makes you know like this is exactly what she wanted him to do, you know? Right. Then he's got another uh step forward moment in this montage where also we see how dope <laughs> Toph is. She raises these two walls around each of or, or around the two of them. Yeah, all of her training him is so effortless. And then she creates a rock armor around herself and charges at him and he actually, you know, he, they're her just back. in this lane, so all he can really do is push her back, and that's what he does, and it does work. So we see some progress in him being able to do that, but he has to be, like, forced into a very specific circumstance to be able to, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I love that she screams, rock-like, whenever she does anything. Oh, I had yeah. to turn on subtitles to figure out what she was saying, because it's like a little... <laughs> rock like every time and i thought she was saying like rock slide like do the move like do this <laughs> yeah. move rock slide or whatever and i'm like that doesn't make sense every time what is she saying and she's just saying rock like because he needs to be rock like like that's a rock. awesome and it's just i love it and then we cut back and uh they're iroh and zuko are just starting to talk about lightning and iroh Ooh. gives a lot of really awesome context on uh lightning is not fueled by emotion like uh, a lot of firebending is it's it's sometimes called the like cold firebending it's precise and deadly uh you know just like azula can be um and in order to control it you must have peace of mind is that why we're drinking tea oh yeah <laughs> i love that moment <laughs> i love that so much um, i mean yes <laughs> that's the <laughs> right the way he's describing this is cool because it feels right 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When he's describing the way lightning is created, which I think you were just about to right. I think yeah. you had it written down. It the, feels like, positive. It feels and like it makes energy. sense. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Having a balance of that allows you to. Oh, I don't and the question shot it at all. Of him, of Iro effortlessly, effortlessly creating lightning, swirling his this, arms, creating. The, the only energy. other time we've seen lightning being created, we saw it, well, twice now with Azula, mm-hmm. but both times it really looked like she had to. I loved it because it feels like oh, yeah. she's like a generator charging up lightning and it's getting it starts out small right. and it like builds and builds and builds and then she shoots it out. Iroh just like moves his arm in the first swipe of his arm. He's There's surrounded lightning. by lightning. Yeah. And it's just I don't know. This moment for me is one of the most telling. He's had like five now where you're like, yeah. OK, he is the guy. Yeah. But for this moment, I am just so Oof. enamored just by how yeah. effortless he does it. He talks about how you have to be its humble guide. And when Zuko tries it and it blows up in his face, you see Iroh just shake his head. Because you can tell he's not going, you know, he, he like wants to make lightning, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like just like Aang at the beginning of the episode is like, are we yep. going to do like rock slide? Like, what's the biggest thing? What, what are we going to do? And you see him just noting that he's not approaching this right. Um, Aang has uh his sort of big culmination point where he gets too frustrated with this stop the rock thing and the rock mm. comes to him and he's blindfolded at the bottom of well this giant rock is and he's supposed to just stand his ground of course this airbender jumps away oh but Toph is furious when he does she races so down how there much and... of that do you think is real fury do you think this is training her being like i'm gonna be mad at him and walk away to get him invigorated more or do you think she's genuinely pissed off i think she's genuinely very frustrated because i don't think she's ever had to deal with somebody that is as evasive as yeah i mean growing up in the earth kingdom and being like secluded her only people she's seen are in this wrestlemania basically right exactly these like tough hotshot people and there's something about this shot of her leaning down into his face and just like yeah Yeah. you know what i'm talking about yes i know yep it's it's like slightly more detailed of her face and the shading and just the way you know the least you could have done if you aren't gonna stop the rock is let it crush you like oh my god and she they they really like her intro like her first episode got us so far into her character so quickly but this is the episode where we now get to know Toph mm-hmm. on a whole nother level and they bring it home they really bring it home with oh, the yeah. animation you know oh, with yeah. like those shots and her stances there's a couple times where she's like sitting and there's i think it's starts in this episode but it might might have been before we start to get more and more close-ups of her feet mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. i just love because it's an animated show but it still has like you know that could be done poorly i don't know like feet and yeah. animation could just be like i don't this is weird <laughs> or like even hands and like like kissing yeah. and all that there's certain things in animated shows that just looks weird yeah but they do it in such a cool way in the show with Toph, where you're like she's just connected to the earth she's like always barefoot and it's I just think it's cool part of you know there's a couple close-ups of feet and hands in this episode that we get close looks at i think it's partially the choice not to define the fingernails they they give the or you know the nails of either feet or hands mm-hmm. they give a suggestion of where they are but they don't like give a full outline of where the nails are and i think that would be a step because now they they still look they look realistic because you can tell where nails would be but they still look like just 
you know, cartoon Animation. Yeah. extremities. Uh, yeah. This is another moment that I really feel relatable with Aang. Uh, when he he's like, no, I don't think I have it in me. And Katara's like, should we, you know, you still have work to do on your waterbending. You want to do that? And he's like, yeah, that sounds good. And they walk away, but you can tell it doesn't really sound good. And not just because he's been failing at the earth bending. I get the sense, and there's no like specific indication of this, but I just get the sense that this whole thing is overwhelming him in that moment. He has to mm-hmm. learn how to bend perfectly the three element, the three other elements by the end of the summer in order to save the world. And here he is trying to learn earthbending and just not doing well. And it's just like, yeah, I guess I'll go do the waterbending that I also need to master. You know, like, yeah. And it, it relates on a really lesser level with the whole, just, you know, as a kid, you do what you're good at. So when you start doing things, you're not good at, it just freaks you out. Yeah. Right. And the spectrum that you just described for him, like, I didn't even really think about that as much in the episode of how he's probably not just experiencing the that classic kid feeling of, dang it, but mm-hmm. he's definitely, like, scared, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm nervous that this is about to be a prophecy for the rest of my summer, you know? Right. Um, But I think that's one of the reasons why this moment with Katara is so nice, too. Yeah. Because they could just treat her character in this episode... Like they like in any other show, uh, she would be used by the episode. She wouldn't be a an arc throughout the show. I don't know how to explain that, but I guess what I'm saying is she feels like Katara, and in this moment he needs Katara. Yeah. She doesn't right. feel like the annoying opposing force to Toph's training throughout this whole episode just to be that. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. It's not just like her personality isn't here just to clash with Toph's. It's also here for Aang. He needs right help from her to want help mm-hmm. from Toph. You know to what I mean by that? To get perspective from her as well in a reinforcing way that like, yes, you need to do it the way that she's saying, but it's understandable that you're having a hard time with this because it's literally the opposite of your nature, mm-hmm. uh, which is just And this is insightful. the first time they explicitly, I think we mentioned that on the show once, but this is the first time they openly right. just note she's that. Like, yeah basically on uh yeah and that kind of helps i think a lot of us who are like how did he learn waterbending so quickly now i'm even more like oh that makes even more sense you know (laughs) right he of course he learned it quickly it's very similar to airbending when it comes to right uh the spectrum of the elements and we get even more uh insight on that when we cut over to zuko and iroh after you know zuko's frustrated because it keeps blowing up in his face like everything always does and uh we get Iroh like gives... the best sequence in the show oh my god i mean <laughs> one he of starts many. it out with this also just like largely helpful and beautiful speech about pride and how pride is not the opposite of shame but its source and humility is the true antidote to shame um which is you know, basically everything he's trying to give to Zuko and has been stated. And I think he starts to get it. And even more so, he's able, Zuko is able to get excited when Iroh says he's going to teach him this new move that even Azulo doesn't know because he invented it himself. And in order to 
do that, he teaches him about the four elements. And I wrote it down. I was just furiously writing through the whole speech because I think <laughs> it's just so cool. Um, his context about each of the four elements. He draws the symbols of the four nations and he talks about fire is the element of power and how the people of the fire nation have desire and will to you know, accomplish their goals. Earth is the element of substance. The people of the Earth Nation are diverse and strong and enduring um, and can accomplish much with their diversity. Uh, and air is the element of freedom. They, uh, The people of the Air Nation detached themselves from earthly connections. They found uh, freedom and apparently very good senses of humor. Which is just a really funny moment because it's not even like Zuko's like, ugh. He just like he just blank watches, faces. Yeah. And Iroh doesn't even do like a, oh. He just kind of, yeah, they have great senses going. of humor. <laughs> the water nation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> water is awesome. Water is the element of change, uh, which makes sense. The people of the water nation are adaptive and they have a community of love uh, that, nurtures themselves and keeps them together through any sort of change and all of those are so fitting to the everything we've seen everything we've seen it it yep thinking about uh Sokka and uh Katara during the episode Bato of the Water Tribe when he's yeah. talking about the Water Nation thinking about flashbacks of Aang and Gyatso when he's talking about the Air Nomads thinking mm -hmm. about uh, when we met Haru in in yeah. the the prison uh, right. for Earth, and then thinking about Zhao and Zuko and Iroh and the yeah. and Azula when he's talking, like those yeah. are such different characters, but all Fire Nation in the way he's describing them, and it's and really even cool. Iroh has that sense of Fire Nation of inherent power, but also desire and will, but not in a way that he is letting him succumb to. He is a master of those things. He yep. understands his own desires and has the will to be able to control them and move through yeah. life with agency. Like, even, you know, not all of the firebenders are, like overcome by their own emotions and like and desires it's cool for power. too at this point we're still not like and i'm not saying we will be for those who haven't watched the show i just mean we kind of get this feeling of like is iroh like good because of this tea he had with Toph, especially right. it feels like he we feel at this point like if he weren't part of this he would probably just be like living in like a little shack on the beach or something, right. drinking tea. He wouldn't yeah. care about any of this. Mm -hmm. But there's something so interesting about the fact that he is basically one of the protagonists of the show. He's mm -hmm. like the trainer of the original bad guy. Right. Who now we're feeling complex about and we're feeling mm -hmm. complex about Iroh. But all the while, it still is compelling. I don't know. There's something really amazing about it because I know as someone who's seen the show before, it's for anyone that's watched a show multiple times watching it that second time you love characters before you would love them because you know what they will do you know mm -hmm. yeah but this show is doing that in real time you you don't have to watch this to rewatch it and love iroh you at this point you feel that way and it's so cool because we still haven't had that we don't even know if we will get it like a moment of all right, he's definitely like good. We right. Don't yeah. For sure, no. And it's, yeah. 
I don't know. There's something really beautiful about the complexity of that in the show being for kids. Like, yeah. we don't talk about it as much right now. Like, we haven't as, as much in the last few episodes. But this is a kid's show. Mm-hmm. These are kids that are primarily being <laughs> right. uh, marketed. Like, it's not that... I know a lot of people get a little bit, you know, bent up when you're like, uh, comic book movies are for kids. Or, oh, like... Mm. Why is, you know, why are they making this rated R? It's a kid's thing. People right. are like, that's not just for kids. Everyone can appreciate that. Yeah. I agree with that always, especially mm-hmm. with Avatar. It's not for kids, but it was made for kids. Right. You know what I mean? When they made this show, they didn't they didn't try to sell it to HBO. No, right. They tried to sell it <laughs> yeah. to Nickelodeon. Yeah, right. They knew that a majority of their audience would be people who don't understand the world yet and Mm -hmm. are open-minded and the fact that they're willing to go to these levels with such you know a kid's show would never have a protagonist maybe be a good guy it's just dangerous to teach a kid that maybe but this show knows that it's important to teach a kid that right you know what i mean yes yes totally and and it's so hard for me to even articulate i just it's well yeah i mean and and the way we're able to get into those narratives especially in the past few episodes and very much in this one is by establishing through the first season and not that there wasn't some incredibly dope shit that happened in the first season that was like uh also some very emotionally mature stuff as well but so much of season one is very much uh catering to kids sensibility with like hints of greater notions and here we are with an episode that has so much relatability for kids through Aang, but also so many mature notions given through Zuko and Iroh, especially like dealing with trauma and and your own emotions and having mastery over the energy that you use to operate in life and that you put out and take in. Like, that's very profound stuff. And even this, uh, the next thing Iroh says, you know, you have to draw wisdom from many places, because if you only draw wisdom from one, it will become rigid and stale. You have to look at the world from many perspectives. That is opening of the mind for a kid to watch and listen to. But they're already invested in all these characters, so they're not, you know, they've seen Iroh make a bunch of goofs, but they've also seen him have milder, serious moments. So now when he's having this speech, they are prepared to intake it i just think that's exactly so cool yeah yeah it's unbelievable and in the context of going into this episode assuming it was just going to be a fun like ang learns earthbending you know yeah right there's something about them being able to throw this in there too and that's the most of the episode ends up being like that like you i feel a profound sense of like maturity while watching an episode i thought i was going to be feeling like Yay, kid episode, like a <laughs> right. nice break, you know? Yeah. But I don't think we're going to get that really in the show. Yeah. Maybe a couple times before the end, but I don't even know. Like, it feels yeah. like we are now on we're a new like, yep. path, you know? Yeah, we uh, we see Toph take a new route in trying to teach Aang. Uh, she's using his staff as a nutcracker. The, the zooms in her shoulder. <laughs> yeah, he's like eating. Did you notice? Right. I didn't yeah, notice yeah, the first right. time I was watching, but he's eating the nuts with her. And then when she's like walking away from Ang, Momo's on it. So I almost feel like Momo's in on it, being like, "Yeah, <laughs> we're eating your nuts." You know, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Um, Sokka is now 
uh, or has been, you know, caught in this rock, which even as a kid, I was like, how do he get his arm stuck in there like that? Like, that's a little bit of like a, okay. Because he goes to like try and hit the thing with his arms up and then suddenly his elbows are stuck down. Like, it's impossible. How, how would he? I know that like this that? isn't what happened because when he fell, she was busy. But maybe a head cannon that top <laughs> is so good that she did that knowing that Aang would come upon him to get him out, maybe. Yeah, maybe. She pretty uh, effortlessly gets him out. I'm mean, just saying. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> or maybe uh, this uh, baby moose saber-tooth Saber-tooth lion. moose lion. Yeah, saber-tooth moose lion. Maybe it could earth bend a little. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Some animals can bend. Um, this thing's terrifying, the saber-toothed moose lion. Um, yeah, because especially being that we thought this whole time, I mean, you don't know because it's avatars. You don't know, like, what are these animals? He's on this, he's got this little, like, animal in front of him. Right. The saber-toothed moose lion is, like, 50 times the size of its young. <laughs> it's huge. It must be, like, a rapid grower, you know? I don't yeah. know. It, it... Um, Ang keeps trying to, like, divert or distract this thing. You know, he goes over, like floats over to another pillar and tries to be like hey over here and that does not work so he has to like come in and divert it again and yeah, Sokka's it's, like please it's so don't cool. leave me again uh it makes sense why he's doing that it's so cool that like this scenario is very perfect for you know his training seeing, and someone yeah. having someone else's like safety on the line is what really does it for ang like he yeah. needs to do this to protect Sokka, to save Sokka. And he does it. He faces this thing head on. He airbends it, but that's when uh, Toph cracks another nut. He takes his staff back, and he's like, that's enough! But um, he he airbends it, but I didn't notice until I was watching again, because I was mm-hmm. like, something feels different. I think he does an earthbending stance with yeah, that move. I think, I think you're right. It feels so close to earthbending in the way it makes that <laughs> sound, and he, he just like has such a strong... He like puts both palms forward. It just yeah. feels a lot like an earthbending stance. Even if it isn't, it's kind of like what Iroh is talking about using uh you know, right. in the parallel of this, Influence. using like yeah. other influences to be able oh, to very, very true. You know, and he basically does. He uses like an earthbending move to airbend this yeah. beast away. Cause he's not gonna like smash it with a rock, even if he could. This it's I don't know like this might be a technique he uses later too as an airbender he can like earth airbend you know yeah right so Toph gets uh, Sokka out by just like stomping and then dragging him by, by the, the way hair. another great shot of Toph when she's just sitting there slow clapping oh there's yeah, something that's about true. it that is just so sad her, the way she, she's got like her legs crossed but one just kind of like hanging down a little and she's just got her hair like in her face and. Yeah. This, that shot is just very tough to me. I oh, love yeah. it so much. So the move that Iroh wanted to teach Zuko was diverting lightning, redirecting lightning, which I love the the methodology that he talks through and the ideology of it, the you know, taking of the energy, the letting it pass down in you know, through your arm into your shoulder to your stomach, the sea of chi. And, uh, or in my case, it's more of an ocean. <laughs> and that's another moment where he doesn't address that Zuko just straight faces him. He just moves on. He, he laughs. Just, yeah. He does laugh heartily. Like, he doesn't feel embarrassed. But then he just, ha, ha, ha. 
So you must not let it go to your yeah. heart <laughs> or you'll die. <laughs> um, yeah, which is also just the idea of, you know, directing this energy very specifically through your body, through your core, not through your heart, letting it get into your own self, but like letting it go through the core of yourself and flow through out the other side. Um, and <laughs> then Zuko's like, after, you know, doing that motion, the hands yeah. a couple times, he's like, I'm ready. <laughs> he's like, what? Come on. I'm not going to blast you with to lightning. You feel the flow. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> with the wave. With the wave dance. Um, and then that's another one where they, they don't even show Zuko's reaction there. It just fades from him doing the wave dance right. to them both training <laughs> yeah, again. Right. It's like, I wrote, I don't yeah. know. And when he says earlier that he like learned this studying waterbenders mm -hmm. what do you think he means by that do you think he like was in secret like hiding and like watched waterbenders training or do you think mm. he at some point has been like welcomed into some city where you know what i mean by that because yeah. like he his reputation is he has one you know he right. is known as the dragon of the west um by Have we heard that yet Yes, yeah, we heard those. Remember when he was like, tied up by those guys, and they're like, "Yes, the dragon right, right, of the right. West." Yeah, huh. that's right. So we know he's like got a reputation for being a guy that has done something that I think the Water Tribe would not like. Yeah. He's a Fire Nation doing Fire Nation stuff, mm -hmm. but the way he says this really feels like I don't know. It doesn't feel like he said I stole it from the Water Tribe. He studied waterbenders. Right. There's something. Yeah. I don't know. I imagine him just like hiding in the snow, making a scroll <laughs> himself, watching yeah. these waterbenders and then getting away without them ever knowing. And But at the totally. same time, his respect for like other cultures and spirituality, I could also see him like not wanting to do it in secret, like asking permission. That's true. You know? Yeah. It's it's a really interesting thing to think about because I don't know. He's such a cool character. You could It could be anything. I could right. totally see him just being like... Yeah. Let's have some tea. It makes you, you wonder. Know? It makes you wonder about his past, which I, yeah. I just love that. There's a lot of intrigue. That's one of my there. favorite things. And you get yeah. hints, but yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. This is a bold final moment for this episode. Zuko says, if you won't create lightning, then I'll go find some myself. Ooh, and just the look of disappointment on Iroh's face mm -hmm. is heartbreaking because you know he's I love that Iroh never of... stops him though yeah he doesn't do that throughout the show I think he did mistakes. it like once in the very beginning he said no Zuko at right. some point early yeah. you know and now at this point he has just decided to kind of watch and yeah. see but yeah this isn't just disappointed disappointed in him like dang it he made the wrong choice this is like Maybe he's going to go die. You right. know what I mean? There's yeah. a look of really upset sadness yes. and disappointment on his mm -hmm. face. Oh, the the angles and the animation of this last little scene haunt me. Like, me when too. I think about it, it... I have trouble not watching the next episode right away. shivers. Oh, man. Give me, give me everything you've got. You've always done it to me before. I can take it. Oh, and then you see the lightning is not coming. The universe is not giving him what he want, what he wants, which is something that will hurt him. And I think he even realizes that, though he sort of hot-headedly thinks that he has mastered this redirecting lightning thing already. And the angles and the lighting and then the water streaming down his face and then the tears joining the water. And he just goes to his knees and that's the end of the episode. 
he just screams. <sighs> yeah. Uh, the I don't know if it's just me or if this is getting too existential. Hmm. Uh, but there is something also to the fact that like this world, the people that inhabit this Avatar universe, hmm. they don't talk about God. You know, there isn't yeah. like a God. Hmm. So when he's screaming and saying like you've you've never held back before, yeah. he's literally like shouting to the, the universe. Yeah, the everything. Universe. It's not like... like a direct. You know, like yeah. in some media, you would assume he's screaming to God. Yeah. But this is like him shouting to existence, like right. life itself, and it's real. It sh- it shakes. It reveals um, a root belief in this character. That the entire universe is working against him. Yes. And has yep. always been thrown, been throwing obstacles in his way. And it's heartbreaking. And he doesn't get, I'm, I think it is important that no lightning comes close to him. Yep. I know that it's not necessarily like a direct symbolic move that they right. do that. But the fact that he doesn't get to, mm-hmm. you know, he goes there to like go against his uncle and, and direct right. lightning and he you also get the sense that he's willing to die he's ready you know like yeah. him saying like you've right. never held back before feels almost like him saying just kill me yeah. and then nothing happens and he screams not just because he couldn't do the move because he didn't get struck and down you know like yeah. he screams out of frustration for his own feelings i think like yeah. in that moment i feel so i relate to that so much of like sometimes you're frustrated at your own self for feeling the way you feel and i think that's how he is in that moment it's just yeah it is very profound Mm -hmm. we kind of did we skip over ang actually moving the rock i think this ending of the episode is the ending of the episode like that's what makes it great yeah i mean Um, ang is able to move rock in like big clumsy ways there is it's interesting how like that moment should be the satisfying end of the episode and when it happened i even wrote down like Mm. Ang moves a rock. It feels cool. Mm. I didn't write down like this is like the thing because right. it, like it, it it's yeah. immediately just like <laughs> completely overshadowed by this yeah. amazing final moment with Zuko. Yeah, uh, yeah, great episode. Well, uh, with all those profound feelings laid out, what do we got for little kid feelings? What do we got for kid moment of the week? So there's some good soccer stuff in this episode. There but is. I think. Iroh in general, there are a couple like his deadpan humor in this is, That's is true. very funny to me. That's true. Uh, <laughs> okay. Can okay, any of the just... Iroh moments beat when that little baby thing brings him an apple and he throws his boomerang at it and then there's a solid <laughs> like two or three seconds? All right, just, come on back now. Now come back, boomerang. <laughs> no, that is the <laughs> That's gotta I be think... it, right? <laughs> it's not just amazing because he it doesn't feel like an accident. He actually right. thought it might work. <laughs> yeah, like he pulls right. his boomerang out. <laughs> now come back, boomerang. <laughs> I vow to only eat veggies and right. no more sarcasm. <gasps> Ang, do you have some meat? <laughs> <laughs> right. I'll be the... Uh, meat and sarcasm is all my personality, but I'll be the veggies and straight talk fellow. <laughs> I love how he even says fellow. You know, yeah. like that even changes it too. Yeah. Well, I think that's uh, that's about a wrap on this one. Um, I have a couple new, or uh, I have two new things to say in this last little uh, section here. Firstly, 
We are now on social media, actually. We have been for the last two episodes, and I keep forgetting to mention it. So if you're interested on Facebook, Instagram, and I believe we have a Twitter. We haven't done a whole Twitter. lot with that quite yet. but It's on, pretty blank, uh, but it's on all of those, by the end of today, probably. You can look up at New Lens Pod. N-E-W-L-E-N-S-P-O-D. Some people want to spell lens L-E-N-S-E. And I did too, actually, before we started Me this too. podcast. But it's actually but just gotta a look common that up. misspelling it's... of the word yep. lens, which Isn't is that L-E-N-S. Weird? Yeah, it's odd. Um, and like when you look at it, why? Why do we want to put an E there? I don't know. But don't we know. do. We're uncomfortable with the things that and aren't plural ending with the... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. New Lens Pod. Go follow us. Give us a New like. Lens Pod. Comment, reach out. Uh, if you're looking for other content, we've also got our actual play, Dungeons & Dragons podcast, Legendary 4 Adventures. Space Vampires. Thank you, Gary. Uh, that should be streaming. That's also on social media. Yeah. Now. Oh, yes. Yeah, we've got an Instagram. I don't think we have a Facebook page yet for that, but Sam made the Instagram. That should be L4, the number four adventures. Um, so you can follow that as and well. And all this Thank is you. cool. I consider myself both a member of these podcasts and a listener like just a uh, enjoyer um, and <laughs> yeah. something I've found really cool since the social media has started Sam especially for like the L4 oh, uh, yeah. podcast he will like post artwork that he uh, right. that we usually see because when we play D&D we're obviously like using maps and mm-hmm. we have like ideas of what like our weapons look like and Sam draws all that stuff <laughs> the saxophone <And> steed he... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah see if that catches you a little bit then check this out because yeah. he has pictures of all of his stuff that he does he works really hard too oh, yeah. on the Instagram and I feel like that might end up being something we do a little more on New Lens some little behind the scenes yeah, absolutely stuff we'll see if you know if it's interesting most of the time it's just us sitting in our bedrooms but <laughs> yeah I don't know I thought it was cool to see just a picture of yeah uh, uh, us, us and Sam just in the recording setting episode yeah yeah well uh we've got one more episode of avatar coming out on sunday and that's going to be the library which i'm very excited to talk about and then oh. we've got another movie coming up and uh you know we'll reveal that next episode so stay tuned can't to wait hear, to do uh, that what movie from our childhood we will be talking about after the library uh, but uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Thank you all for listening. I'm Calvin. And I'm Gary. This has been the New Lens. Rock like! <laughs>